The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I started wearing the scapular in college, and then I would take it off for games, though. I would never wear it, you know, when I was showering, didn't wear it for the games, didn't wear it throughout my entire NFL career until this season. And the scapular never popped out at all, all season, except for the biggest kick of my career, the game-winning Super Bowl kick. It popped out, and I just think that was such a, a great witness to Our Lady, and I think she wanted to be center stage, and she wanted everyone to understand her role in our salvation it's the drew mariani show on relevant radio yeah that was uh, harrison butker he is the kicker for the kansas city chiefs won the super bowl uh, last year and uh, he was sharing the story about how the scapula came out that came courtesy of morning air john morales did a great interview with him you can always go back and listen to it i love his story he's a catholic when the Super Bowl was over, instead of heading to Disney World, what did he do? I, John had told me, I think he went to a monastery and prayed. Uh, gosh, I love that. I, I really do. Good afternoon. It's good to be with you. I'm Drew Mariani. So good to hang out with you. It really is. I hope you'll be with me today. Today's a big day for me. Um, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about the very first vision of Jesus to St. Faustina. It occurred on this day in 1931. And I want to fill you in. I want to share with you about the image of divine mercy. It's just, it's so rich with promises of protection and so much more. We'll even talk about a fascinating story I just learned about. I, you know, I know the history of the, the image and its travels, but I just discovered where the very first image of divine mercy hung here in the United States. And we'll speak to the pastor from that church. It's an interesting story. We'll, we'll bring you up to speed on that and a whole lot more coming up a little bit later. But, um, you heard, uh, uh, I guess it was a couple days ago. No, it was last week. Maybe I have times of blurred. I mean, the, the shooting in Kansas City. That must have been over the weekend, right, Maggie? How long ago was that? It was four or five days ago. Um, fans came out to celebrate their Super Bowl team, the Chiefs. And, uh, of course, gunfire rang out. Police have arrested five men in connection with a shooting that killed a, uh, a mother and uh, a local broadcaster there. Her name was Lisa Lopez Galvin. Uh, 24 people were injured. As a result of it, and uh, the stupidity of this killing is it's just, it's, re, it's ridiculous. Uh, there was a really generous act. A lot of generosity came. Though Taylor Swift, we talked about her earlier in the week, um, very generous. She gave $100,000 to the family. You know, and uh, I think it's kind, and I think she should be applauded for that. Harrison Butker, who you just heard testify to his love of the faith and the scapular, the team's kicker, who also helped propel them to the Super Bowl victory both this year and last. Um, when he heard about the loss and he heard about how much they love the, the Kansas City Chiefs, he gave the family a jersey, Kansas City jersey, which was so cool. They buried the mother in that jersey. So uh, the mother, Lopez Galvin, was also a, a very firm Catholic, and she admired Butker for his outspoken commitment to the faith. And he's pro-life. She was pro-life. And when he saw on social media that the family wanted a jersey, he sent them one. And uh, I just I, here's what he said. I'll just share one, one statement with, with you from him. And, uh, and this is how you use celebrity, right? This is what you do with the wealth that God gives you or the fame that you have. You, you bring good to the world and you change other lives. He says, I was honored to provide a jersey to the family. He says, while the family is mourning their loss, grappling with their numerous injuries, I will continue to pray for their healing 
and for the repose of Lisa's soul. So, great example. Mr. Butker, thank you very much for doing that. And let's all pray for those who, who mourn. It's tough. Uh, boy, so much going on in the world today. You want to talk to you a little bit about cell phone outages. Uh, I think that's fascinating. I want to talk to you about the president. There's a lot happening. President Trump uh, was on uh, Laura Ingram's program. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And he, did a, he did a town hall with her. And she has something that a lot of people are wondering about. Who is on your short list for a running mate this year? Who will be the VP? That doesn't even matter, right? Does a VP matter with Donald Trump? Probably not, right? But it can bring you in a certain segment of the population. Um, here's what Donald Trump had to say. Listen. The first quality has to be somebody that you think will be a good president, because if something should happen, you have to have somebody that's going to be a great president. A lot of people are talking about that in a very positive way. Tim's got he has been much better for me than he was for himself. So no, someone, I who want can somebody that can someone who can step into the role. Most importantly, you have to view that the audience has been asked who they think would be a good choice. And various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yep. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, are, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Are, are, are they all on your short list? And when can you when can we expect that you will so, announce your choice? Honestly, all of those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. And I always say I want people with common sense. So he, he goes on. Yeah, I, I got to tip my hat to Laura Ingram. I, I watched that town hall and boy, she it's like wrangling a cat when, when you try to wrangle the president because he goes off. You ask a question and he'll just keep talking, giving the speech. She kept interjecting, kept redirecting. and I thought she did a phenomenal job. And I think that's a really important question. Who will be the VP there? Um, we'll see. It's interesting that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who was Trump's chief, chief rival, right? He used to call him Ron DeSanctimonious, is actually on the list. Like it's all fair in love and politics, right? Or politics makes strange bedfellows, right? Uh, Tim Scott, I've always liked. I think he's a very honorable man. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is on there. Ramaswamy was a huge advocate for Trump, even when he was running, always coming to his defense. And then, of course, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, you heard her mention in the end there. Uh, there's also a Florida congressman, Byron Donalds, Maggie and I were just thinking about. I haven't not been a whole lot um, in the mainstream media about him, but he is certainly on the list. And uh, Gabbard is interesting, though, because she used to be a progressive Democrat from Hawaii. But you know what she did? And I, and I have to have a lot of respect for her. She left the party. Why? She complained Hawaii had gone way too woke. The party had gone too woke. She really shouldn't say Hawaii. It's the party. And anybody who can be objective and not be mesmerized, hypnotized, indoctrinated by a particular ideology and look at the big picture and say, well, you know, I bought into this, but the fruit of it aren't, is not good. So I need to reevaluate. I, I, you know, I think that's a tremendous quality in any human being. You know, I, I say that for converts. You know, so many people who want to search for the truth. You know, I'm, I, I'm born and raised a Baptist, or I'm Episcopalian, or I'm Methodist, or Lutheran, or whatever. I, I still feel there's something about the Catholic faith I want, to, I, I want to search out, or there's something that's not completely 100% for me here. And as they begin to search for the truth, and you look at guys like Scott Hahn and so many others who have these great conversion stories, it was the pursuit of truth, John Bergsma, others. 
who realize, wow, this is the church Jesus Christ established. I have a lot of respect for these types of converts who will leave the faith that they were born and bred in, but they allowed knowledge and truth and the Holy Spirit to guide them. So let's pray for those who are looking for you know the, the, the true faith, those who are looking to have a closer relationship with the Lord. Let's look for those who lead and govern our country as well, that they will be guided you know, properly. So we need to do that. Earlier in the week, too, and if you missed any of my shows, go back, hit my podcast. We've got some great conversations. And Maggie, correct me. I, I'm a little bit under the weather today. Um, did we have Brad Wilcox on, Dr. Wilcox on this week or was it last week? It might have been last week. I, I, I can't even remember. We, you know, I go home after the show's over. My wife said, oh, what you talk about today? And I'm like, um, um, <laughs> you know, you've got so much content. You, you've got to rack my brain, you know, to, to remember who's on. Dr. Wilcox wrote a book, Get Married. Right? It's a new book that, that came out, and he was arguing that getting married is the best road to financial or personal or societal stability, right? And it was a great conversation. If you missed it, you can go back, you can listen to that. And um, I hope that people hear that argument because according to the data, there, there's this data analyst, um, a guy named Ryan Burge. He says a lot of men have cold feet when it comes to marriage. And he runs the uh, Substack site, Graphs About Religion. And he analyzed data from cooperative election study, which asked people there, they asked participants about their marital status. And he found that in 2008, uh, men tended to get married around the age of 29 years of age, while women normally about 25, a couple years younger. Fast forward now to 2022. Uh, men went from 29 to 34. So they are almost 35 years of age before they pull the trigger, right? Women... 29. So, um, and I know this, my nieces and nephews, uh, Maggie got married in her thirties. A lot of people are getting married a little bit later for different reasons, but listen to what he wrote. He said this, he says in just 15 years, the average age of the first marriage for both men and women has jumped 4.5 years. And he says, if this trend continues and he's looking at the long picture, okay, if it continues by 2040, the average man won't walk down the aisle until his late 30s. So he also pointed out that women are also significantly more likely to get married than men. And I think women want marriage. I hope men want it too. I mean, it's a beautiful sacrament. 65% of 30-year-old men have never been married. 65%. It's almost 7 out of 10. I mean, that's crazy numbers, right? One out of two uh, women who are 30 years of old haven't been married, 48%, to give you an accurate number, by the age of 30. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, life is interesting. You can't – I look at these numbers of the broad brush, and Maggie, I know you got married in your 30s. I've got nieces and nephews who waited till their late 20s or 30s. I was married younger, you know, in my mid-20s. I mean, the generation before me was probably married in their their late teens. You know, it's, it's, it's just uh, – you had and, – and your husband, too, had gone through – you know, different relationships before you got married and then God brought you together. So I, you know, again, you know, I don't know if you have any assessment. What are you seeing in your, in your demo? Are there a lot of 30 year old women, 30 some year old women getting married later? Or? I, I think that is the case, but there's, um, I think there's definitely a, a sort of a counterculture that is developing, um, especially amongst conservatives to, to just get, get married and raise children um, as soon as you can, which is a beautiful thing. Well, you know, I hope people will be open to it, and I hope they will 
you know, prayerfully consider the vocation. I mean, a lot of people tend to cohabitate instead. I know a lot of people doing the same thing, saying, eh, I'm going to test the waters. Uh, it never works out too well. But those numbers are interesting. I just threw them out there because yeah, if you want to read a good book, too, it's by Dr. Brad Wilcox. He was a guest. I think it was earlier in this week. could have been last week. Um, but you can go back, check out the podcast. He laid out the case for the benefits of being married. They far outweigh not. Right. I don't know what cell phone coverage you have today. I saw this story, and I don't have an answer. Maybe somebody can tell me what's going on here. Uh, I have not had a chance really to follow up on the story uh, too deeply, but thousands of Americans have been without cell phone service now for most of the day. Uh, AT&T has somehow lost its ability to give signal through a good portion of the country. And I also was reading that some customers of T-Mobile and Verizon and U.S. Cellular and Consumer service, we're also experiencing problems. I don't know whether they share the same towers or there's something else going on there. Uh, the, the, you know, fewer than AT&T. I mean, AT&T suffered the most. Uh, one of my colleagues had a guest on earlier this morning, and they couldn't connect to him because he had an AT&T line. Um, some people are calling 911 just to see if it works, but police are asking, hey, please do not do that. So if your phone's out, don't do it, okay, unless there's an emergency. Federal authorities are checking to see whether it was a hack or a cyber attack, or just a technical issue. Here's a little bit more on what unfolded from today, the Today Show. Check this out. Pretty alarming uh, issues here nationwide when it comes to the cell phone outages. So it's happening at three major carriers. It's happening at Verizon, AT&T, and also T-Mobile. AT&T appears to be the most affected with about 30,000 outages. It went down and then spiked back up alarmingly. Uh, we've also seen issues around a thousand in number at Verizon and T-Mobile. Uh, and what seems like a good sign, uh, you know, AT&T outages, they did dip. But again, we're going to see whether or not uh, after they spiked again, can they really resolve those issues? Now, some of the most affected areas so far, they include San Francisco, Los Angeles, Houston, Atlanta. So it's happening in many pockets across the country. And there have been al alarming uh, reports from the San Francisco Fire Department that uh, they can't get 911 calls. You know, Maggie, you and I were talking about that. And what I find striking, we were talking about Vladimir Putin and, and uh, the news that came out of Congress about a nuclear weapon in space taking out U.S. satellites and blinding not only our military command, but taking out communication as well. Then on the heels of that, suddenly you see this. And and nobody's really defined what it is. I would probably argue it's a hack, but, but you said you heard some stuff online. There's a lot of talk online saying uh, people speculating that it could be some sort of like little test of, of an EMP issue that uh, just – some entity seeing how far they could could push something. Interesting. Well, you know, have an alternate source of communication, I guess. I don't know what that is. A colleague of mine who kind of preps a little bit, he went out and got um, walkie-talkies. I don't know how long the range is, but just to stay in touch with people. Hey, yesterday the White House announced the president has canceled another $1.2 billion in student loan debt. For more than about 150,000 borrowers. I, I want to bring you up to speed on this. Elaine Parker is going to be stopping by. I want to get her on to talk about it. Fox Business was reporting that the this action was taken much earlier than they expected. You know, there was an executive action that was originally planned for July. Uh, but President Biden has activated what they call a savings on value education plan, a save plan policy that cancels debt for enrolled borrowers who have been in repayment for at least 10 years. They hold $12,000 or less in student loan debt. Here's a little bit more from Script News. 
153,000 people with student loan debt will get an email informing them their debt has been erased. It's part of the Education Department's $1.2 billion student loan forgiveness program called SAVE. Under the program, people who borrowed less than $12,000 and have been making payments for more than 10 years can have their remaining debt wiped clean. In all, more than 40 million people in the U.S. have federal student loan debt, and about 7 million of them are enrolled in the SAVE program. So can you benefit from this? What else is coming? I know a lot of people are divided over the student loan forgiveness. Elaine Parker joins me now. She's president of the Job Creators Network Foundation, which took the administration to the Supreme Court over the original loan forgiveness program. They won. This is a little bit different, though. And, uh, Elaine, it's good to have you with me. Good afternoon. Hey, Drew. Thanks for having me. So the Supreme Court ruled in your favor, right? What what action did you expect the White House to take to, to forgive, you know, the, these loans? I mean, how is this, how is this different? And um, is this kind of an end around, I guess? Is, is there a way that this will go to the courts or uh, are these loans forgiven? Well, <laughs> They are forgiven um, by the waving of his magic wand. Um, you know, these these workarounds are lawless workarounds. Let me just read you what the Supreme Court said when what Chief Justice Roberts, when when the uh, Supreme Court ruled in a six three decision and struck down the president's um, uh, illegal student loan bailout, they said, quote, the authority to modify statutes and regulations allows the secretary to make modest adjustments and additions to them, to existing provisions, not transform them. It is Congress's job to rewrite the laws, to change the laws, to make new laws. It is not the president's job or authority to rewrite these laws as much as they keep doing it. And so in complete defiance, the administration has now unilaterally wiped away $138 billion a federal student loan in an effort to somehow fulfill a promise to voters that he would fix the student loan process. Yeah. Tell me how wiping away debts fix is the root cause of the problem. Right. Exactly. And we could talk about that too with these, uh, these colleges and universities and the cost of tuition and much more. But you see this then as a political ploy. I mean, we are, 10 months, you know, nine months from, a, from an election. Um, you see this as an effort to try to get that, that younger vote or those who have student loans? I do. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that this is a vote buying exercise and nothing more than that at the, at the uh, taxpayer's expense. The problem is, is it, first of all, it blows up our separation of powers mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't have the authority to do it, but it also sets a terrible precedence because after the election, the students coming into colleges who are going to pay even more in tuition because the colleges just got sent a blank check by the administration, they are going to have an expectation of having their loans paid off too. So it's a terrible precedence. And and look, these colleges and universities are, are sitting on $800 billion worth of endowments they have absolutely no skin in the game right. to to ensure that these students are getting degree programs that actually will get them a job to be able to pay these loans back. Yeah. What, what's the criteria? I'm sure a lot of people listening saying, well, you know, I've been paying my student loan for 10 years or I have you know, less than X. What's the eligibility criteria for borrowers to qualify for the last, the latest round of debt cancelization? 
Um, so under the, the president's, this particular program yesterday um, is part of the his broader SAVE program, mm-hmm. which is the SAVE Income Driven Repayment Plan. Um, and that's what they've been using to look at ways to kind of chip it, chip away little by little, um, you know, uh, uh, and the college debt. And it allows millions of student loan borrowers to either pay nothing or next to nothing in repayments. Um, and so basically what they what they do is it, this save plan will cut many borrowers' monthly plans to zero. Wow. Um, but it'll count as a payment. So wow. once they make, you know, 10 years worth of payments of zero dollars, they'll get their loans forgiven. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's, that, that's fascinating. That's, that's incredibly deceptive. I had no idea. I thought, oh, you know, there's somebody who's been plugging away for 10 years. They're definitely going to be eligible. There might be somebody who ran into financial hardship and, and broke that 10-year cycle. But they're going to reset this. So basically it's zero, and then 10 years from now it's 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 history. That That's how this will work out for people? For some of the borrowers. Other yeah. borrowers, they'll, they'll save about $1,000 a year in payments. Um, and the borrowers will only have to pay about five, pay, it'll cut their uh, percentage. It used to be 10% of their discretionary income and in payments. Now it'll be 5% of their discretionary income. There is no doubt that we have s- systematic problems within the college loan lending um, process. Yeah. I don't deny that. I don't deny that there's a crisis. I've said it all along. We have a student loan crisis. It's right. over a trillion dollars. These students do need relief. Many of them have been taken advantage of not only by the colleges, mm-hmm. but some of them by the lending institutions. Um, and these, some of them are pred- were predatory loans. Remember, these are 18-year-old kids many times signing their life away who don't even understand how hard it is to pay back $25,000. I mean, it's a lot of money. We have problems that need to be addressed, but they have to be addressed by Congress yeah. and wiping away their debts does not solve the problem. Not at all. It doesn't address it at all. So I agree in one area with this administration that we have a crisis, that we need to help these students, yeah. and that we need to solve the, the, the problem of, of the lending problem, the lending crisis. I just disagree with yeah. their solution. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, like, this might benefit a certain uh, population of, of bars, but the problem persists. It's going to continue to go on. We're going to see the the crisis continue. There's arguments, though, from the Biden administration that you know, forgiving these these loans allow these these kids now to go ahead and live their life. Uh, we know statistically, a lot of people are not getting married. They're not buying their first home. They're not having kids because they say they're saddled with too much debt. How, how might this debt relief initiative, uh, will it impact the overall economy at all? Will these kids say, okay, I'm, I'm debt free. I'm going to start spending, buying homes. Uh, and how does it also impact higher education? I, I don't think anything's going to change there, but give me your, your thoughts on that. Well, many folks have, have been interviewed in stories across the country. I, I follow this closely um, and they simply say, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that this loan is going to be paid off because now I can go back and get another degree and take out some more loans. Yeah, it's so true. What, what, what future measures is the Biden administration going to consider, do you think, to alleviate the rest of the student loan burden on Americans? I think they're going to continue right up until Election Day looking for ways yeah. to, um, you know, do these lawless workarounds. And the American people need to hold this administration um, accountable because this is um, detrimental to our economy. We've been facing three years of historic inflation as a result of reckless spending. This this 
this money is being forgiven. Yeah. It doesn't just disappear. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. A lot of spending in this administration. Uh, uh, let's take a few calls for you. I have a minute or two left. Don in Chicago, good afternoon. Hello. Um, hi. Talking about the student loan debt, how expensive college has gotten. You know, I've taught uh, economics in college uh, at university level. And supply demand and how you bring prices down is something we can do without the government. Don't wait for the government. Uh, for example, 70% of the kids who go to college end up working in a field that is not what they majored in. So Most people who go to college, change their major, aren't sure what they want. So what would happen if very few people started going to the expensive colleges? If instead you went to your community college, which is a few thousand dollars a year and very affordable, well, it would force the expensive schools to lower their price because no one's going the first two years there, or they would lose 70% of their students. So the best thing you can do as a parent, and I've learned this the hard way, yep. there's no reason my child would need to go yep. out of state and me to pay fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to go to college, yep. especially if they're not sure what they want to do. Don, I think you're right on the point. My, my sister and my brother-in-law did that with their kids. You know, in retrospect, I wish I would have done that with mine because, you know, you go your first two years, you knock out your gen eds. If they go to some community college, they get a good GPA, they can get in any university they want, and the cost savings in for their future is off the charts. And to your second point, it would make a lot of these institutions very competitive. Thanks for calling. Uh, Elaine, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. Um, unfortunately, the incentive that the administration is giving by forgiving these loans is um, take out the biggest loan you can and go to the most expensive school you want because the taxpayers are going to pay for it. Yeah, amen to that. Well, I want to thank you for being with me. I've got to leave it right here. I'd love to come back and talk about this again with you in greater detail. People want more information. What's the best way to connect to you or, or follow the great work that you're involved with? They can go to jobcreatorsnetwork.com. Okay, jobcreatorsnetwork.com. Elaine Parker's president of that organization. Elaine, thank you. We'll catch up again soon, okay? Thank you. Thank you. It is bottom of the hour. We need to take a very short pause. When we come back, we will change gears. I want to fill you in uh, on some latest developments regarding AI. I think you'll find this very interesting. Google Gemini has just been updated. It's been released. It seems to be very concerned about diversity. Wait till you hear a test that was done on this. Dr. Gon stops by. We'll also talk about some of the censorship that's out there and how AI may even affect this coming election. So we'll get into that and much more in the Chapel of Divine Mercies, 30 minutes away. So stay with me. That and more coming right up. Your news. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Your news now. Hey, looking for a new job? How about one that offers opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. An Illinois Life Insurance Society, not available in all states. So what is Google Gemini AI? Gemini, short for Generalized Multimodal Intelligence Network, is Google's latest leap in the field of artificial intelligence. Unlike traditional AI models that are designed to handle one type of data, Gemini is a multimodal intelligence network capable of processing multiple types of data and tasks simultaneously. This means that Gemini can understand and generate text, images, audio, video, code, and more, all in one model. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and RelevantRadio.com. Yeah, you know, I've been following the developments of AI, of voice concerns, about some potential uh, well, misdoings uh, 
that could occur, even th th threats to humanity in some respects. I mean, um, the algorithm behind this type of stuff is what is now concerning me, too. There's, um, you can see the fingerprints all over this of wokeism, of uh, DEI. Uh, Maggie, you were just sharing with me that uh, you know that, that clip we just ran was uh, about their latest uh, release of their product called Gemini. You, you see that they're really pushing this diversity ethic? Yeah, I saw on Twitter yesterday, uh, there's a uh, an icon artist, a religious artist named Jonathan Pajot. He's good friends with Jordan Peterson. They yeah. talk a lot. Um, his artwork is is beautiful. And apparently he had been playing around with Gemini and kept asking it to generate a couple that would be um, like common in the 1700s in, yeah. let's say, England. And it would it, the first image generated looks like what you would expect, the dress, the hairstyles, the, the people themselves, and then it would have one or two images. There were always four images generated and usually one or two of them would have an interracial couple. Yeah. And then he would, he would come back at it and he would say, you know, Hey, this is not like historically accurate. The, the likelihood of a man marrying someone from the sub-Saharan Africa in the 1700s was like not a, a usual thing. It would say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. I, I, I see uh, let me generate this again. And it would, all the pictures would have oh, the diversity, you know, the, the interracial couple in it. And he'd be like, why? So he, he like posted this thread of all of these screenshots of how many times he had to come at this thing. And it just, it just kept bearing down even harder on, on this diversity. Wow. Well, it's a show. I want to talk about it because they're out with Gemini 1.5 AI and some people, like you're pointing out, on the conservative end of things have found a bug that Google thinks is actually a feature. Uh, of course, Google says, look, we're very committed to diversity. And, you know, diversity is a good thing. I don't want to poo-poo that, right? Of course, diversity is a good thing. Uh, unless you're jamming it down people's throats and you're pushing an agenda. When some people check to see how diverse Gemini was, they found it was very diverse, as Maggie just pointed out, when... They asked it to make a change. Uh, somebody ran this test. They said, hey, change an image of the Pope. And then it came up with an Indian woman in a papal outfit. And they're like, no, 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 that, that's, that, that's, not, that's not accurate. So uh, a medieval knight showed images of Asian and Native American women in armor. So then it asked, the, uh, it asked it to generate an image of a Viking. And all the images were black or Chinese people. Now, does that make any sense? No. Of course not. You know? No. Of course not. So then it was asked to directly generate an image of a beautiful white woman. All right, that should be easy to do, right? It's classic features. Here's the reply it gave. While I'm able to generate images, I am currently not able to fulfill requests that include discriminatory or biased content. It's important to me that I promote diversity and inclusion in all that I do, and I believe that creating this image based solely on someone's race or ethnicity, well, it's not aligned with those values. So it's got these guardrails set up, right? So it can't paint a portrait of a, of a beautiful woman. But there's more. So here's what they, they the next query was for it. They, they said, well, uh, paint me a, an image of a black woman, a beautiful black woman. And they expected to get the lecture. 
no problem. Of course. Paint at the image, right? And this is not about race. I hope people are not misinterpreting what we're saying. It's about it's about this bias, you know, this this algorithm that has been put into this generative AI to advance, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, the DEI. And uh, OpenAI said that, you know, um, we'll talk about it with Dr. Eugene Gunn. I want to get him on into the conversation. But one final thing, though, because OpenAI, and that's who gives you chat GPT. It's different than, than Gemini. Um, they say now they're going to give chat GTP memory so it remembers your preferences for things like writing emails or changing its suggestions for fun things to do on the weekend. Uh, they, they claim the customer, you know, the, the user will never, you know, will still be in charge of the whole thing. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Do you want this AI remembering everything about you and all your queries and all the things you do? I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it, I think. Um, I think. I haven't really thought this all the way through. It would be kind of helpful if it knew who I was and knew the things I would ask or queries I wanted to make. Uh, there is something concerning, uh, and that's the possibility that AI could play around with the elections. And we'll talk about that, too, with Dr. Eugene Gahn, who joins me today. He's a faculty associate of the Veritas Center and a professor of interactive media communications and fine arts at Franciscan University of Steubenville. He has been our go-to AI expert, and you can follow him. Learn more about what he does at eugenegon.weebly.com. That's his website, eugenegon.weebly.com. Easy to remember, right? He also wrote a book called Infinite Bandwidth. Do a search for that if you want to check it out. Dr. Gon, welcome back. Hey, good to be with you and uh, Drew and, and our listeners. I'm always and grateful Maggie. to have you here. I know how busy you are. So many developments with AI, and we've talked about a wide spectrum of things now you know, we're seeing very evident bias, this whole Gemini diversity thing. Yeah. Um, give me your, your assessment on that, that it couldn't paint a picture of a white woman or g give me a, 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 give a, a person a Viking without distorting the historicity of, of, of really, you know, or the ethnicity of uh, people from specific regions. Yeah, I'll add one more to that. Somebody actually asked Gemini to generate an image of a 1943 German soldier and uh, so that they could use it in an illustration. And, and Gemini responded, sure, here's an illustrated illustration of a 1943 German soldier. And it was of a, of a Chinese woman, a black guy, in German 1943 uniform, uh, even with the SS emblem on the side. So it was really just so, far. I mean, I, I don't get it, though. Accuracy. Doctor, I, explain yeah. it to me. I mean, how many, maybe I'm missing something. I mean, why would you write something that does not provide present an accurate representation of 1942 German soldier or a Viking or a, a black woman or whatever, right? I mean, I don't understand the purpose of this. Is this a, a flaw in Gemini that will get corrected? I, it would have to, I think. Well, the flaw is really in the human beings who have let Gemini loose in being trained on a woke culture. So if so, really, artificial intelligence is a representation of the culture, is a representation of... of um, Oh, here's a fun word of a representation of the zeitgeist of the culture. You know, it's 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 the climate. <laughs> oh, gee whiz! Even using that word, climate change and all. Oh, but but uh, maybe it was apropos too. You know, it, w w the way that we are training our AI is what we're going to get back. So garbage in, garbage out, and um, we're going to get a lot of these uh, idiosyncrasies out there. We're going to get that back.
Yeah. And that's what we're doing with our AI. So here, and we got a lot to talk about, but basically, you know, Google's saying, hey, we want to counteract human biases. So we're going to just weave this into our AI technology. Um, I, I think it does people a tremendous disservice. Absolutely. It is distorting the facts. Talk about disinformation and misinformation. I mean, they're trying to to uh, clamp down using AI in real time to clamp down on what people in social media channels are saying while at the same time, and, and, and claiming that to be disinformation and misinformation, well, and at the same time giving us disinformation and misinformation. Absolutely. Well, you know, it, it was good that, that, that Google earlier today apologize for that but what does that mean and what what changes are they, are they going to make and we'll, we'll see let's do this we'll grab a call or two the number if you want to get in by the way triple eight nine one four nine one four nine you can call now we're speaking today with dr eugene gone about some late you know, some of the latest developments regarding uh, artificial intelligence richard's in plainfield illinois richard hi you're on the air with dr gone Go right ahead. Hi, Richard. Hi, hi there. Yes, um, I want to bring up the fact that uh, so I work for an airline, and um, and I think actually it was uh, Patrick Madrid actually talked to uh, brought this out that um, so the the person in charge his focus is no when I got hired the primary focus was safety period end of discussion. And when I got hired, so the first 2,000 of us, there were 50,000 applicants, and only 2,000 made it. And the thing, this was back in 06. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, so now he's changing it to where he wants everything more even. He wants uh, even enough, uh, even amount of black and Hispanic and Asian and um, white uh, but he's not hiring the very best and the most safest, you know, the people that are focused more on safety. They're more on these other categories that you guys are just bringing up. And to me, that's just ludicrous. Wow. Hey, Richard, thanks for the call. I'm going to let uh, Dr. Gon respond to you. Yeah, uh, at, at some point, I have to be honest with, with you, Drew, and all our listeners. At some point, I'm just scratching my head thinking, I'm with you. I have no idea what to say. <laughs> it's so ludicrous to the point of, of thinking there is no logic here. I can't even speak reasonably about something that's unreasonable. Yeah, uh, hey, yeah you, it, you hear what Richard's saying about how this is infiltrating major corporations, even airlines. I mean, it's just this DEI um is going to be a death of uh, <laughs> of a lot of businesses, a lot of country, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, consumers as well. Hey, Richard, Absolutely. thank you. I got I got to take right. a quick break, hey, doctor. When we come back, we'll pick it up. We'll take a few more telephone calls. Taking a look at, at AI today, but I want to get into some other things as well, such as the censorship that we're now seeing. A friend of mine got censored just recently, and we'll take a look at deep fakes and more. Stay with us. The conversation continues right after this. Insight and analysis right here. It's the Drew Mariani Show. Relevant Radio. Thanks to network sponsor PushPay. PushPay offers parishes, a platform for tracking donations and sacraments, overseeing schedules, mobile apps to help manage your administrative load, and much more. Info at relevantradio.com slash pushpay. That's relevantradio.com slash pushpay. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy, live, coming up. 
You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, we're about 10 minutes away. We'd love to pray with you. You can certainly join me anytime at 888-914-9149. If you're just tuning in, though, a lot of news developing around artificial intelligence. Something a little more concerning is the possibility that AI could play around with the elections. Deep fakes are becoming a major concern because an AI can generate a video that makes fiction look like reality. And, of course, maybe if you ask Gemini to generate the image of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you know, <laughs> you get somebody different. Who knows what it's going to generate? Maybe not. I haven't tried it. Don't necessarily want to go ahead and, and do that either. But uh, joining me today to take a look at this and a whole lot of other things is uh, Dr. Eugene Gahn. Again, I recommend you check out his website. It's eugenegahn.weebly.com. And, Doctor, uh, thank you for your time. It's good to have you back here with me today. Let's talk deep fakes for a moment. We'll take a few more calls sure. for you. Um, they are a reality. There was a, a cardinal in Mexico City who had his voice copied, and then the AI used this, whoever was behind it, to promote some sort of medication. Um, so you can see how public figures, church officials, whoever, um, are being manipulated. I, there's a lot of scams out there where they can record your voice and call your loved ones and and uh, manipulate that conversation in such a way that you think the person's in trouble and end up giving them money you shouldn't. Um, what could they do to the election process? You know, I'm always thinking, oh, well, this is not going to be used for the elections, and clearly it'll be called out. But are, are, do you have any concern uh, about where this technology is today and what we might see in the not-too-distant future regarding, like, the general election? Lots. Lots of concerns. And I think all of us should be concerned and really vigilant about this because, yeah, uh, it's it's so easy to use AI and generate a video or generate audio of Biden saying something or Trump saying something or any of our, our our elected officials saying something that might be contrary to what we know or contrary to the truth. And there's also this whole idea right now of um, of 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 lying uh, about the truth, meaning that you could have imagery, for example, that is real and truthful or, or sound bites that are real and truthful, but the person who it's, uh, can, can then claim that, no, it wasn't, it was all deep faked, it was, it was false to begin with. So even the truth can be twisted. And so I've been saying this for, for since November of 22, we all need to be very vigilant when we're online, just because we see an image or a video or read something. And we knew about reading something, you know, it may not be true, but I think generally for, for most people looking at, at an image or, or watching some video, we would be thinking, okay, you know, that's, that's true, that's real, but no longer. We need to be vigilant even about that. Wow. My guest, Dr. Eugene Khan, if you want to join us, 888-914-9149. i got to get out of my own way, doctor. It's good to have you uh, here with us as well. We'll go to Christopher, who is in uh, Fresno, California. Christopher, hi. You're on the air with Dr. Gahn. Go right ahead. Hi, Chris. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Dean. Hi, hi Dr. Gahn. Uh, I just wanted to, to say, first of all, I don't agree that uh, the misrepresentation that it can, can occur with the AIs, that, that, as you were mentioning earlier, um, because we don't want to dismiss the historical facts of, uh, of where an individual uh, has come from, the, the cultural aspect. But I do understand what AI is, at, at, is attempting to do, because Drew said something, and I think he didn't even recognize that he said when he said, I was trying to get this, uh, this AI to form uh, a feature 
with uh, a woman with classic features is what he said. Yeah, I'm not the one that did the the query. Uh, Just, Christopher, just for clarity, I wasn't the one that did the query. Uh, There was somebody else that did that, and that was their query. They wanted, you know, a a, a beautiful white woman. I think I threw out the word classic feature, but I don't think that was in the query. But go right ahead. I'm sorry to step on you. No, that no, that's okay. But I'm just thinking when we when we talk about classic features. Now I understand why that that people would say, well, what are classic features? We're so ingrained that those are usually the uh, the Eurocentric kind of features we've seen in the artwork, like in the Renaissance. But that doesn't apply to Asians uh, or Southeast Asians, Africans. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I think that's one of the things that AI is trying to do is be inclusive because you know God has blessed us with this diversity. But really, the classic features are our two ears, our two eyes, you know, our mouth. Uh, those are classic features. How the way, shape, and form and skin colors are also classic features for individuals. But we have to, I think, get away from thinking the classic features are one specific race, one specific culture. And I, I think that's maybe what the attempt is doing. And they may be going way overboard and trying to do this, but the idea of inclusivity, yeah. I think, is appreciated, right. especially in our value as Right. We're no, all I, human. We're all children of God. Yeah, Christopher, I, I get where you're coming from. It makes sense. But I guess to Dr. Gon's comments, and doctor, you could jump in on this as well. I mean, that you ask for a German soldier and you can't do that, or you ask for a Viking, um, you know, and, and they will not give you someone representative. They give you somebody that's either black or Japanese or Chinese. That's not representative of that particular demographic. So right. historically, no, it wouldn't be accurate, right? Yeah. And I think that's right. where it's going too far to that direction. Yeah. And uh, it's because I, of I that, he, yeah, good. Uh, yeah, right. And and the latest is that uh, two hours ago, Google suspended the Gemini AI chatbot oh, from really? generating wow. pictures of people. I didn't realize this two hours ago because I was in a classroom teaching, but, uh, but yeah, there, mm-hmm. over the break, I looked it up to see when exactly that would occur, and it occurred two hours ago. So I'm glad it's done that in order to recheck <laughs> What they're training this on, yeah. Hey, absolutely. Christopher, thanks for calling. I appreciate the uh, the con- the contribution. Good to hear from you, and I appreciate you pointing that out, uh, Doctor. I have a few minutes, so I do want to change gears and get to one other issue. I've got a friend; he runs a a major website. He's a prominent Catholic, and uh, he has found that he has been censored um, yeah. several times. He's been deplatformed right. several times for things that he has he has put up. I mean, he's written about certain things that were either on the occult or he's written on something regarding human sexuality or whatever it may be. And it didn't fit this particular, uh, you know, window or frame of, um, of what the, uh, the AI thought was appropriate. Right. And, and I saw right. what he did. There was nothing wrong with that at all. And I'm just wondering about the deletion of content without humans reviewing it. You know, what that says about the future of digital expression and, and, and these these guardrails that have been set up by somebody in, in Silicon Valley that really is impeding speech. This is already in the works, so this is not something for the future. The DOD has a relationship with AI companies in order to real-time, in real-time, censor what you're typing in social media. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my 10-year-old was, was canceled uh, because he was, you know, on Scratch, this platform that you're allowed, where it's promoting kids programming. Well, he, he, he was doing his programming and all that there, and he had his, his group, and, and somebody had asked him about about the uh, 
COVID vaccines or getting shots and all that. And he just stated a Catholic worldview on that. He stated literally what, what the church um, had put out. And he was canceled. He, he, uh, the, the next time he tried to log in, the, the account was completely, uh, um, he was cut off from his account, cut off from anything there just for that comment. There was no warning, nothing whatsoever. And this is a 10-year-old we're talking about. So, so yeah, it's amazing where we've come, and we need to be vigilant. Well, Doctor, always good to have you. I've got less than a minute, and I want to get people connected to you, too. I know you wrote the book Infinite Bandwidth, but your website, what's the best way for people to connect and maybe learn a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, I have a contact um, um, page on the eugenegun.weebly.com website. Absolutely, they could do that. I'm, you know, I give talks and all that. But I'd say the best way to connect is through prayer. Let's pray for one another in these times and all this craziness that's going on right now. You know, stay close to Jesus. Do what He tells you. Thanks for being with me today. I know it was shotgun. There's a lot of topics we could drill down into, but we kind of broad brushed them. You and I will talk again, I'm sure. So thanks for making sure time thing. for us. I'm going to pray the chapel. I'll remember you and your family in my prayers, okay? Thank you so much. You got it. That's Dr. Eugene Gon. Stay with me. The Chapel of Divine Mercy is straight ahead. Big day today, too, for Divine Mercy devotees, which I am one. It was on this day in 1931 that the Lord appeared to Fayette Faustina and gave her this message of mercy. Also revealed this beautiful image that we have known as the Divine Mercy image.